The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Tuesday, July 28th. Training camp is getting closer, and uh, the NFL season is on the horizon as we all root for football to begin. Joining us to... Well, everybody on this podcast does anyways. That's right. To be clear, I, I do... You know, we don't need to get into the rooting for or against the virus tweets out there but i do find it amusing that like people imagine various like sports writers at home like going let's go covid Nah, i don't think it's that bad but let's let's be honest about it there are some people that prefer the political side of things rather than the football side of things let's just leave it at that that's pete prisco pete prisco prefers football over all else you are you are nothing if not a football guy, Pete. I will give you that. We're going to talk about your biggest training camp. Health question. and football, by the way. Health and football. Everybody healthy. Most that's people I, healthy. That's what I root for. My family, my job, uh, NC State athletics, Arizona State. State football. Yeah, I'll root for Arizona State. Nick Foles. <laughs> Debo is not, not on video, by the way. He, yeah, I know he's not on video, but thank yeah. God he's not too, because he's got a really ugly ass shirt on today. <laughs> you cannot pull that, this off, Pete. That thing is hideous. You know what it looks like, Pete? It looks like the Miami Marlins statue. Yeah, or or like some you went to an art gallery and somebody just threw mud against the wall and said, or paint against the wall and said, beautiful, and it's really ugly. This was it's my art fossil. An Aztec parent on your seriously? What is that? Yes. That's the, it's too bad this shirt isn't on video because it, it is butt ass ugly. <laughs> Pete, you ever go to Art Basel in Miami? No, it's, that's an art festival, isn't it? So, so you're the right. hell would I go yeah. to an art festival for? Yep. You love- did you get that shirt at Art Basel? Uh, no, but it was given to me, and I immediately thought, "Hey, that's an Art Basel shirt." I mean, it's got like leaves, and and, and is that a toucan over there? That's a yeah. toucan. That's hideous. That shirt's hideous. Seriously, you need to burn that. Don't go out in that shirt. You, That's a, you know what that is? You, you guys know this, and Brinson knows this. You know when you have a shirt, let's like a T-shirt. It's a good shirt, and then it's not as good as it used to be, so it becomes a house shirt. Yes. You know, you know what a house shirt is? Like you're at the house, you grab it out of the drawer. That's the house shirt. You won't go out in it, but you can wear it around the house. That's a house shirt. You don't know that, Debo, but that's a house. shirt. This is my important Zoom meeting shirt. That's how I would classify it. 
Would you wear that out at nighttime? Uh, absolutely. We might get into a little dating stuff later on. So, uh, yes, I would oh, absolutely God. wear this. But you out. would wear, like, if you went out on a date, you would wear that shirt? Not the first date. Once I'm a little more, you know it's ugly. Once I'm a little more comfortable with the girl. Brinson, is that not an ugly shirt? I'm taking a picture of it so that way if people want to know, they can see it. Uh, I wouldn't wear that shirt. I would wear that shirt if it was like, if it was like, uh, you know, somebody's like 80s birthday themed, uh, you know, party or something like, like a Correct. birthday with the 80s. Right. Hey, look, 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 you wore the ugly sweater shirt, but it's really not a sweater. It's just a shirt. There you go. Crap. Merry Christmas, Debo. You're ahead of the times. I, I will say that, <laughs> I will say that Debo's shirt, I do think, uh, it, it appropriately captures sort of Debo's attitude, uh, towards life in general, though. You know, it's like a little kooky, a little loose, a little cool. I'm down for whatever. Yeah, but it's still ugly. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I mentioned the Miami Marlins. Uh, they are, they were in the news on Monday because 11 players, I believe, in the Miami Marlins tested positive for coronavirus. And it's weird how this played out. Ken Rosenthal of theathletic.com had an article in which, and I know that's a baseball team, but this is relevant to our interest in football because baseball currently the only not, the only American sport not playing in a bubble. It's the closest example I think we have for what football might look like when it gets here. And there was a wave of panic on Monday because a bunch of Marlins tested positive on Thursday, three, I think three on Thursday, a couple more on Sunday morning. The guys who were tested positive did not play. But there was like a discussion amongst the Marlins as to whether or not they should just power through and play against the Phillies on Sunday night. They did that. They did make the Phillies aware of the situation ahead of time. I think that's out there. If not, somebody, I got it through like a third-hand source. Anyway, they told the Phillies, so that's fine. MLB was aware of the situation. But they go out there, and, and then all these guys test positive on Monday. And so now they've canceled the Yankees-Phillies They canceled the Yankees Phillies game in Philadelphia on Monday night because the Yankees would have been in that same clubhouse. The Marlins and the Orioles have canceled their games. The Orioles are flying back out of Miami. And, Pete, I think the general sense out there – or not the general sense. There's a, a lot of people concerned that what we saw from baseball three days in, in a non-contact sport, uh, might create – might might be showcasing the problems that I think some of us believe football could face when football comes back. Or the Marlins actually hit the hell out of the ball. Maybe they should get that coronavirus more often. Uh, <laughs> I mean, did they play well? Did, I, I, didn't, I didn't see the Didn't Marlins. they beat the Phillies yesterday? Yeah, they won 11-6 they, yesterday. Yeah. So they hit well. So whatever it was, uh, you know. No, seriously. they. Why would they have played? It, but, but that opens up two things. A, you played and you knew you had it. B, how sick were you? And that's the thing with the young people. They don't, a lot of the younger people don't get sick. And so they, maybe some of those guys just said, Hey, you know, we're going to fight through. It's stupid to do. If you get it, you should sit out. That's the rules. Quarantine yourself. Um, but I think in the NFL, here's part of the difference with the NFL and Major League Baseball. And people say, well, football is a contact sport and it is, but you travel in Major League Baseball for four, three or four or five nights. Uh, there was a three-game series, so you get in the night before and then you travel out. That's four days. Those guys are in hotels. They're probably going out to eat. They're probably getting out of the thing. In the NFL, and they have rules now, the NFL, about how much where you can congregate, how many people, that, 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 that. Now, whether guys adhere to that, who knows. But you only travel once every couple weeks or maybe a couple weeks, you know, only eight, eight times during the year. And when you do that, you usually fly in that day. It's easy to stay in 
the hotel when the team is feeding you and whatever for one day than it is for anybody who's been in a hotel knows. If you're in a hotel, you can't sit in a hotel and order room service three straight nights. It's, you go out of your mind. So I think baseball players – now, whether they, who knows if they went out or whatever, but I imagine they went out and had some dinner and stuff. And, and that'll, that'll happen in baseball. All right. So I believe it was pro football talk that first reported the, um, the rules. And I think it is interesting. Like these players can be disciplined by the league and by the team if they violate these, these new rules. Basically it's the NFL said, all right. You know, gathering inside a ha- for a house party of 15 people or more, uh, gathering in an indoor club, gathering at a bar, et cetera, et cetera, of uh, 15 people or more during the season constitute, can constitute conduct detrimental to the team. And I, 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 I mean, I think, I mean, I don't think it's wrong, right? Like it sort of, I mean, it sort of makes sense, but w- how realistic is this? It's going to be hard to police, I think. Well, that's why I think there's going to have to be some policing by, players themselves you're gonna have to tell your guys look don't be a knucklehead the problem is and and i actually talked to a couple gms about this player number 77 who knows he's probably not making the team 77 is now an nfl player who's not going to be he's going to go out and use that to his advantage and and, uh, look guys i'm an nfl player and get drinks bought for him or whatever you know you know how that works so so I think that's the concern is 70, player 77, not player 40 through one. Those guys realize what's at stake. They want to play football. They got a lot of money at stake. 77 is going to get cut and he's the guy that's going to mess it up. And there's the concern. Yeah. And by the way, like, uh, Patrick Queen, who was a first round, first pick. round pick. Yeah. Yep. First round pick by the Baltimore Ravens, stud linebacker out of, uh, out of LSU. Quote tweeted pro football talk and said, can't be serious with a mm, emoji. Justin Tucker replied to him, if you can stay out of the club until mid-February, I'll go with you and the bottles will be on me. Do you think how much of a difference do you believe it will make for teams that have strong coaching and strong veteran leadership to convince these young, cause it's, it's the younger guys. I mean, and it's not a dog on younger guys, but like you're a 22 year old freshly yeah, made billionaire. You're invincible. Right. And you know, you're probably single. And you are probably, in the words of, you know, old white people, looking to mingle. Correct. And that's <laughs> going to be hard to, it's going to be hard to legislate. But here's the pro, here's, here's how it can be though. In Broward County, there are no bars. I live in Broward County. There are no bars open after 10 now. Now right. there are, they're shut down. Even the restaurants are shutting, they're shutting down. So unless you're going to somebody's private party, you're probably not going to have that opportunity to do that. So, and, and, you know, again, Okay, I don't know this because I'm married, but what about the swiping sites? Are they still active and in, still going? Are people during coronavirus? It's been going on for four months now. Are they more active or less active? Uh, that would that the answer to that question would fall to the uh, third person. Pebo, Pebo. I can't believe within ten minutes of this podcast we already started talking about dating apps because i think your last appearance we had a, a nice conversation that was well received but yes to answer your question by the way they just are... to follow on that last appearance uh steak steakums uh nothing ever happened with steakums it got shut down quickly pete i don't know if you knew that or not yeah i did yeah i know turns Go out, ahead, turns out steakums didn't didn't work out well anyway uh yeah they're they're still active people are meeting up i think um they're still encouraging video calling, but people have kind of shifted away from that. And I agree, young people aren't taking it as serious. But 
Dating apps are probably more active than ever during this time. I have a well, buddy who told see. me who told me yesterday that so he's he's been seeing this girl uh, he just met like but they uh, didn't see each other. like they actually talked for the first month or so that they were going back and, you know, they're going back and forth because she was out of town they were talking on the dating app and they became I mean you know what I mean like so I wonder how much right. of that there is where you sort of build up a little bit of trust or a little bit of a relationship with whoever you might be dating like I, I, and I don't know I am not on this scene I'm so far from the scene it's hilarious but I'm just curious like what the you know, if there's a, I'm sure there are different approaches and I'm sure. Well, but some- like the, the hookup apps, the, those things can't be as, as, I mean, can they? Am I wrong? Sure. Debo, you Debo smirking. I see him. No, I mean, you guys pr- can't see him on. You'd probably be surprised. I, I, I can't speak to it just like you, but you'd probably be surprised. Debo isn't, Debo is being responsible about this. Like in general, like we've talked about this throughout the course of the pandemic, but I would imagine. As we sort of point out this thing with the, you know, with the, the whole, um, you know, young players, you know, doing stuff once the season starts, like I would imagine there are plenty of people out there who have thrown caution to the wind and gone ahead with dating apps, uh, during the pandemic, knowing that you don't have to go out. You can just do a home cooked meal and, and, uh, hang out. And, and not just that. Yeah. But you're, you're also nine times out of 10, you're probably doing that with somebody you don't know. You don't know where they've been. So that goes back to that whole thing. So, but here's the thing with the back to the NFL player, player 77 is only going to have, I'm an NFL player. Cause you know how that plays. Even like when they go back to their college towns, when they've already signed a contract, they know they're not going to make it, but there's right for that moment, they're an NFL player. So they walk in and they're the man. Hey, every, all the buddies buy a drink, do whatever, whatever. So, that's the concern is that guy. And, uh, and, and NFL teams have made that point to me that that's, that's the guy that's concerning. Uh, by the way, there are seven, no, excuse me, six, uh, items on the high risk conduct. Attending an indoor nightclub with more than 15 people, attending an indoor bar other than to pick up food with more than 15 people, attending an indoor house party with more than 15 people, attending an indoor music concert entertainment event with more than 15 people. Well, they're not happening anyways. Right. Yeah. That one's not, a, but you put it out there just in case. Um, attending, cause that way you don't have an outlet. It's like, I was going to see a, a concert. I wasn't going to the well, club. Well, there was no, there are no concerts. So I, there are I, no I, concerts. There's no pubs. There's no, no bars open after a certain amount of time. So those I'm are done. The, the NFL is covering its bases. They even included attended attending professional sporting events Which, where are they games or events with more There's than none of those people. and in attending an indoor religious service attended by more than 25 percent of the venue's capacity i don't think that the nfl knows everything there is to know about the coronavirus because i don't think anybody does but i do think that the inclusion repeatedly of indoor here does sort of in my mind bolster the concept that this is you know remember we were worried about surface contact three months ago i don't think that's a big thing we don't have it because you know the mail and amazon and whatever right, that's not that's nothing and grocery stores like exactly so i don't think surface contact is a huge as big a deal as it was thought out to be and i do think that more than is really been put out there indoor is a huge factor sharing the same airspace and and everything recirculating is a big deal and that's why they're worried about this stuff, but I, I mean, do, do, it's, I'll tell you what, I can, in talking to teams, the amount of money teams have spent to make sure their places are up to code and, and, and as safe as possible is incredible, incredible spread out more locker rooms, weight room outside tents. So, I mean, the whole deal, they've gone above and beyond what they need to do. Now it's just a matter of making it work. And if players, follow everything that they're supposed to follow, it'll work. 
the problem will be again when knucklehead. I mean, look at Lou Williams in the yeah. NBA. And that I mean, dude's like forty-two. He went to eat at the at the strip joint. I mean, are you kidding me? Does the strip joint really have that good of wings? I guess Magic City. I guess it was in uh, Atlanta or something. He went, but but I mean, you can't, you can't justify that when you leave the bubble. You just can't. And the NBA NFL players are not in a bubble. They just got to make sure that they police themselves. And, and but again, if you're not going to make the team, and you know you're not going to make the team, then you're going to bet you're going to take that two, three weeks or whatever, where you're an NFL player and use it to your advantage that they will. That's what they will do. Yeah. That's a concern. Okay. Uh, by the way, to keep in the event that football doesn't happen for whatever reason, in order to keep your time, I'm just, it's, it's not a, it's not a non-zero possibility. No, but I, I would say I'm, I'm at 90% for football. What, me too. That's what I am right now. There's still the 10%. It might not happen, but I, I think we're seeing a little bit of a trend of the dying down a little bit. And I think at some point people are going to say, As, you got to live with it. Do you know that there's more businesses now that aren't coming back than ones that will come back? Mm. Restaurants. I saw that chart the other day. That's terrible. That yeah. means a lot of people are out of work and a lot of businesses are out of business. That's bad. And I would say, too, that there's there's trickle down effects to it. Like that's going to affect the commercial real estate industry. You know what I mean? Like there, there's Correct. all these things that people don't think the, about. The food service industry is right. going to be cool. a lot of people, a lot of people affected. But um, then, you know, there's always the other side though. Like, um, zoom is now a big deal. Um, you know, working at home. So computer speed is a bigger deal. So there's always other things that compensate for it. And the market t- tends to skew that way. But, Look, I know people that work in the restaurant business. My brother's been in the restaurant business. The restaurant business has been decimated by this. Decimated, yep. My brother works for Citrix, by the way, and he's like, "Business, we've never been busier." I mean, because they do all the technology and the yeah. Like my wife works at home, and and her company they use Citrix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Citrix, big, uh, big. Uh, I think they're headquartered in Fort Lauderdale, actually. Big silver building next to that uh, Weston there on uh, Cypress Creek. At yep. any rate. My point being is that we can still salvage you, you pick, pick six podcast listeners can still salvage my job, Devo's job, everyone else's job. All we have to do is win a podcast award. And, uh, there's actually one out there for which we are nominated the people's choice podcast award. Pete already voted for us five times. Thank you, Pete. 10. Uh, 10. Thank you. That was very nice of you. Have you, if not go to the link in the description of this episode, click on it. It'll take you to a webpage where you register. You have to put in like your name and an email address, but you don't even have to verify it or anything. And then as soon as you hit submit, it'll take you to the next page where you do two drop downs, one for people's choice podcast award, select pick six and one for sports, select pick six. And when you do that, we are, uh, we get your vote. Fan votes count there. I think it's like maybe all of it, but at any rate, you vote, we win. And I'm told that that little weasel, Adam Azer, who runs the fantasy football, who is like the, the puppet for fantasy football today. He's Jamie Eisenberg's little puppet. Uh, Dave Richards, little puppet. He's been trash talking me saying there's a rivalry going on. That's not true. He's just mad because I embarrassed him in front of everybody. And he got mad on this email thread. He got mad. And so now he's trying to stoke a rivalry. Get out of here, Azer. Hey, how big is your hat size? Uh, I don't know, eight and three quarters, maybe. No, it's not that big. No, I don't, I don't, what are, I don't know what hat size are. This That's is huge. This yeah, hat? that would be like. No, oh, eight, eight, eight and three bonds. That's well, right. whatever your hat size is, if you ever won that, it would be double. <laughs> yeah. Your head would be gigantic. I said that. I was like, it's almost better if we don't win it. 
Cause no, I'll, it's never better not to win. That's, that's, you're taking the, the millennial approach. Oh, we'll get a participation trophy. It's better to win. You want to win. You want to rub people's faces in it. Stop it. Of course I want to win. I'm saying that if I, that if we win that award, I will be, and I'm already insufferable. I will be incredibly insufferable. Who are you up against? Uh, I don't know. A bunch of different, uh, a bunch of people. There's like a billion podcasts. Everybody's got a podcast now. Uh, okay. Also in the, in the episode description is a link to Pete's piece breaking down all 32, the biggest question for all 32 teams. We're going to get down to 10 of those today. Uh, but first, and we're not going to talk quarterback battles either. We're going to talk, um, we had a, a discussion of that, uh, last week that you can check out as, as one of the podcasts should be evergreen enough. First, though, let's talk about Jamal Adams, uh, traded Pete. We, uh, we mentioned it. We did an emergency podcast on Saturday. That's how dedicated we are. Or Jamal Adams traded the Seahawks is, I know this is a big deal. It's a big trade. It feels like it's being a little bit overblown just because it's the, the only big news, but he is a former top five pick. He's an all pro player. The Seahawks um, got fleeced. You think so? Yeah. That's a okay. terrible deal. It's and too much. It's, you can't give away two picks for a safety. You know, look, he's a good safety. He's a box safety, but Cam Chancellor was what drafted in what round was it? The fifth? Yeah. No, Richard Sherman was the fifth. Was Cam Chancellor the fifth too? Cam Chancellor might have been the, look, look and see. Cause I think he was, he was later, but you find that's where you find that guy. Yeah, the Jets overdraft, no offense to Jamal Adams cause he's a good player, but they overdrafted him in that spot. And in that division, yes, you have tight ends you got to cover, Kittle, but you know, and then the Rams tight ends, but I just don't think he's a great coverage player. He's going to be used in the box. And you're, you're giving away two first round picks for a box safety. By the way, McDougal was a pretty good player for them last year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they had Quadri Diggs. So why did you need to make that move? Now you trade for him and you got to pay him. Is there a chance that Jamal Adams is being underutilized in New York and that, that Seattle and Pete Carroll, who's gotten a lot out of uh, defensive backs and, and I mean, a lot. And by the way, Cam Chancellor, 2010 fifth round pick, Richard Sherman, 2011 fifth round pick. Um, is there a chance that they unlock Jamal Adams to a potential that we haven't really seen? No, because he's going to be used the same exact way. He's going to be used near the line of scrimmage. That's where the guy lines up, and that's what they want to play. They played a lot more split safety last year than they normally did because they didn't have that. They used to do the single high cover. With, with Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas. And, yeah. and now they now Quandre Diggs can do that, but I just don't think that that's – the value for me isn't there. It's not, no, no, no offense and because it's position value. I just – I'm not trading – two first round picks away for a safety. I'm just not, if I'm trade, their pass rush is still a major issue. That's well, the I was going to say, I think that if you look it up, I'm looking it up right now. I just want to confirm. Yes. Uh, last year, Jamal Adams would have led the, the Seahawks in sacks. Yeah. They had 28 sacks as a team last year. And they still don't have, four. they still don't have Clowney. Yeah. So LJ Collier better be a hell of a player. So you don't think there's any chance that Jamal Adams could be more of an Earl Thomas than a? No, he can't play in the meet. No way, he's playing a deep. Quadri Diggs, a former slot corner, can play in the deep middle. Jamal Adams doesn't do that. Okay. Now he's probably better in coverage than I'm giving him credit for. But he's a he's a boxer. He can blitz. He can he can play the run. He's you know, people have compared him to Honey Badger, yeah. and, and you know the Badger what he did for that Kansas City defense. I don't think he covers as well as Honey Badger. I think he no. might. He, so he's not that. Uh, so yeah, I, I just think it's a, a bad. Then he complained about his flight. Did you see that? No, no, he didn't. He sent out a tweet complaining that the Seahawks set him up with a 7 a.m. flight, and then he deleted it. 
Come on, dude. You can't do that. Yeah, like you just did a uh, story with Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News blitzing Adam Gase. Then you get traded. You don't complain about your flight to the Seahawks. No. Like, of course, they they, they just traded two first-round picks for you. They want you out there as fast as possible. You it's just, you I mean, and the kid, York. the kid blistered everybody in New York. He got his wish. He's Good a riddance. Former guest in this podcast, by the way. By the way, they have, they did draft Ashton Davis, who I think is going to be a really good safety, and they have Marcus May. So they'll be fine without Jamal Adams. Now they get two first round picks. They have five first, five picks in the first, what, three rounds this year. And then two uh, next, yeah, yeah, two first two. rounders next year. I mean, the, the, the Jets fleeced Seahawks and people say, well, they're going to be late picks, 25, 20. I don't care. You get two first round picks. Plus, not to mention you got to pay this guy and that's cheap labor. Yeah. I, I, I would much rather have the Jets side of it. And I really like Jamal Adams, but I do think that there is, you know, I, I think people are kind of piling on Pete Carroll and John, like Pete Carroll and John Snyder have done a really, really good job since they took over. They don't make many mistakes. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the mistakes have been trading first round picks for other players like Percy Harvin and Jimmy Graham. You know, they, they sent Max Unger packing as well. So I, I get it. Um, but by and large, like their batting average is pretty high there in Seattle. So I tend to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Whereas I don't think the general public and especially, uh, Seahawks fans tend to do that. Uh, by the way, they would have been better off giving away one of those first round picks to go get Ngakwe. Mm. Hey, what do you, uh, did you, you wouldn't have listened to this episode, but did you hear about John Breach and how he pronounces the honey badger's name? No. All right. Listen to this real quick. This is, this is a recording that we have made a sound drop. Tyron Mathieu. Tyron Mathieu. Tyron Mathieu. Tyron Mathieu. Tyron Mathieu. I just call him the Badger. Uh, it's his, I don't know. I love that kid. One of my favorite guys in the league. You interviewed him immediately after they won the Super Bowl. Um, Why he tackled me? I still my back hasn't been the same since. Our good friend Dane brought him. Oh, that's, maybe he did mess up your back. Yeah. Was it? Is it worth it? Was it worth it to get my back messed up? Yeah. I had to go to therapy for, for, for four weeks. Okay, so I guess not. Uh, but you did stand on the field after the Super Bowl. Not mental uh, therapy because I'm fine up there. This is back hey, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're good to go up there. What, uh, well, let's talk about the Seahawks. You, could you imagine, by the way, could you imagine me in therapy? Oh, before I know I got a question for you. Yeah. Diva knows what I'm going to ask. Okay. So we had, I put this tweet out earlier on, on Monday and we had this, uh, uh, a, a, a listener question, a, a mailbag question that we answered on Monday. And so I'm curious what you think. You have to you have to do three choices. You have to complete one of the tasks or else and if you don't complete it, you have to keep doing it over and over and over and over again until you actually do complete it. The three choices are one, it's fourth and 15. You have to stop Saquon Barkley from getting a first down. Two, it's fourth and five. You have to run the ball and beat Jamal Adams for a first down. Or three, it's fourth and five, fourth and goal on the five. And you have to catch a touchdown pass against Stephon Gilmore. Which one would you choose? Catch the touchdown pass against Stephon Gilmore. Okay. Now the, the lot, the, that, that was the one you're most likely to have to do over and over again, I think, but it's the least like physically damaging one, right? Correct. The Barkley one is the most physically damaging one. Yeah. I said I would do Barkley because it's fourth and 15. I feel like I could just like dive at his feet and trip it's him the, up. No, the worst collisions are fourth and 15 trying to tackle somebody like that. No. You would not want that. You'd, it's, think about that. That's him breaking away the, uh, the, into the line and you're this deep safety coming up to tackle him. He oh, would destroy you. Yes. So no. Well, Adams would crunk you. That up would be here. the last, that would be the last one. I, that, see, 
I basically said, I don't think I can execute the Stephon Gilmore thing, but I guess you just keep trying and trying and trying. Until right. like you yeah, the Gilmore one is the one. You might get a move in on him. You might slip and you might get a pass on him. No. But the Adams one is dead last. He would. No, no. Barkley's dead last. Last. You have no idea. The worst collisions in football are when the back breaks through and the safety has to come up and hit him. They're the worst. But I'm saying it's fourth and 15. You at least have a prayer. Fourth and five. Jamal Adams is just putting you in the ground over and well, over. Well, and what over. are you doing? You're taking a pitch and where's Jamal Adams? What's, where that, is That he? wasn't really specified, but I think. Well, you got to specify that. Is he on, if I'm, if the pitch is going to the right and he's on the left, I'll take my chances with Jamal Adams. If he's the only guy that could tackle me. Well, see, and I, my sort of understanding was that it would be like a training camp practice exercise where you're, you're the running back and like you get the ball. And he's up there and he's off and then he has to, he's tracking you down and you have to get five yards in a first down before he gets to you. And I just yep. don't, think I'd still it. take that over me lining up 10 yards deep and having Barkley running at me. Yeah, that would, it would be tough. They're all, they're all, none of them are easy. The Gilmore one, but is the, the Gilmore one's the safest. You take the Gilmore one and just, and just, you're just stuck. Take my chances. Will, you yeah. put out the we ball today. Yeah, and, uh, Stefan Gilmore is actually the leader of what people would want to do, closely followed by Jamal Adams, and then Saquon is in last place. See? Yeah, see, I, it's, I'm telling you, anybody who's been on the field in the NFL game, when the running back breaks through the line and that safety comes up and bla- those are the worst collisions of all of them. I, look, none of them would be fun. I would just take Barkley and just dive at his feet and try and take him down. No, I take, I take Gilmore. Give him a little shake. Touchdown. <laughs> I don't think that's how it's Gilmore's like reaching out, like swatting you down. But you'd have uh, a chance. Yeah. And, and you're not like, you're not going to get put in the hospital. And, and that's the thing too, is like, if Jamal Adams destroys you and like breaks your leg, you have to go and rehab. And then as soon as you get done with rehab, you have to get back on the field and do it again. Well, what about with, with Barkley? If you try and use your arm, your arm's going to get broken or something. Napped in half. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's, nah. We're all bad. Okay. So one of the questions you asked, uh, was, the Seattle Seahawks. And I believe your question was, can Seattle, can the defense get back to dot? Is this a question that you asked? Can, yeah. can the defense get back to the dominating ways from the Super Bowl years? So no, I don't think they can. I don't think they have enough talent. I'll be honest with you. Bobby Wagner's still a list talent. Yep. KJ Wright getting to get a little old and a little long in the tooth. That's a problem now. And those two guys got to be able to play together. I think Reed got suspended last year. He's a good player, but he didn't play as well. They got to get edge rush help. The corners, you know, Griffin and Flowers are okay. I think they're good enough. Diggs played well. Adams, the secondary won't be the problem. It used to be, you know, we had yeah, the front seven and the secondary and the linebackers can run. Well, yeah, Bobby Wagner can still run and the front is not that good. And that's a problem. So the Legion of Boom, too, didn't really become the, like, uh, I mean, like, it was very good with Sherman and all those guys, but it really took a leap forward in that, was it the 2012 or 2013 offseason when they signed Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill? Remember, they Correct. got them this five-year, one, like, five million one-year deals or whatever it was, or Cliff, maybe Cliff Averill was, like, 15 million for two years. That's when they took the leap, and that's sort of what you don't see on this team, right? Right. You got to be able to, they had 28 sacks last year. You got to be able to influence a quarterback. If they play their normal cover three, which they ideally would like to do, even though they're playing less of it than they normally, than they did in those glory days, you got to get the quarterback down or else you're going to get treaded. And, and, you know, Brandon Browner wasn't a great corner on those teams and, and they could hide him because they could pressure the quarterback. So I think pass rush is the most vital thing for them this year and they're going to have to manufacture it. And that's why it's sort of surprising they're not pounding up for Clowney. 
He's not a great pass rusher, though, Will. Yeah, he's going to get some He's really not. He's a really good football player. He's just not a great pass rusher. That's why Bill O'Brien traded him, in that and among other things. And that's why Seattle hasn't broken the bank for him. Or Cleveland or Tennessee. They don't want to. Or anybody. He's not a great pass rusher. Well, it's just tough to give somebody $25 million a year and get four sacks. Correct. I mean, it's it's hard to justify doing that. Like, you know, even, even Jamal Adams gets six and a half sacks. Uh is there is there a chance that Bruce Irvin and L.J. Collier break through this year? No. I mean, uh, L.J. Collier is uh, unknown. Irvin he might be. I, I like L.J. Collier. He has a chance. But I don't see a, I don't see a double-digit sack guy on that team. No. And that's the problem. That's just Jamal Adams. He isn't going to be a double-digit sack guy. No way. They had six and a half last, last year. It's yeah. They're not, they're, they don't have a double-digit sack guy. That's okay. a problem. All right. Uh, the Chiefs. Let's look at some contenders. How will the Chiefs handle the challenge of repeating? I think if there's ever a team that can handle it, it's this team. In large part because Andy Reid. Andy Reid handled failure in the past and kept getting the Eagles to the postseason and they couldn't win it. But I think he's the perfect guy and the perfect mentality for that. But not only that, he got everybody back. Now, they did lose, you know, their their right guard who's, you know, Duvernay is staying – and becoming a doc, staying as a doctor, but they signed up assembly. They have other guys. They have Rankins. They have Remmers. There are guys that can fill in. Other than that, that team is back all the way on offense, the entire team. In fact, I mean, they got better because they added Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the first round. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a, and, and they're going to have guys healthy. You know, Watkins is always banged up. He's healthy again, but I think that team is going to be better offensively and defensively. I think they'll be better. That no, they're, they will handle it as well as anybody can. Now, everybody's gunning for you. That's the tough part, but I think they'll be fine. But, I mean, everybody was kind of gunning for him last year, and not because they, they hadn't won. Yeah, but when score. Mahomes was hurt, though, and so they kind of, yeah. And, it but fell a little bit back, by the wayside. That's they funny. have the ability to, and we saw that in the playoffs, they fell behind, and then they just keep going and going and going. And those teams have sustainable success. Which is why, if you want to ask the question of the Titans, that's look at that question, and that's a legitimate question. My question on the Tennessee Titans: They were leading them in that playoff game, remember? Mm-hmm. But is the and what's the question for the Titans? Read it. Uh, we, we'll get to the Titans after the break, but well, we can have it as the Forty ers Same thing, right? Kind of. How do they handle it? Theirs is handling the loss. And I think Kyle Shanahan's done a great job. Oh, right, here's but here's the difference. Here's was, the difference. Was the, was the run to the AFC title game a building block or an aberration? And history says it's an aberration. Well, it's because passing offense is historically more consistent year over year. Correct. Than- and I always go back to the 2017 Jaguars. Sure. That was an accident. They play, the ball bounced their way. They played great defense. They ran the ball. Not sustainable. The Titans team with Kerry Collins back in the day that went 13 and three, I think it was, got beat by the Ravens in the playoffs. Not sustainable. You, you, you have to be able to throw the ball. Tannehill, they won two playoff games without him throwing for over 100 yards. That's crazy. That is, that can't be sustainable. So I'm concerned about the Titans and their ability to overcome that this year. Well, and also with the Titans, and we talked about this in the podcast before, but let's say the running game, like use, like Isaiah, is it Isaiah? I keep forgetting his name. Isaiah. They drafted out of Georgia, the right tackle. Win. Isaiah Win. Yeah. Why well, I keep wanting to say Isaiah Wilson. I don't know why. Why do I want to say Isaiah? No, Win Wilson. It is Wilson. It is Wilson. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Win. I'm thinking of the Isaiah Georgia Wins- tackle for the um Patriots. 
Patriots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very confusing. At any rate, Isaiah Wilson is the right tackle from Georgia who ran a pro-style offense or, you know, a, a run-heavy pro-style offense. Like, he should be able to fill in for Jack Conklin as a pretty nice substitute. But you're asking a rookie to come in and to take over for a guy who's been an all-pro at the right tackle before. If the rushing attack for Tennessee doesn't play well and the defense takes a step back, it's going to be force Ryan Tannehill to do more volume-wise, which is going to drastically – decrease his efficiency and maybe just doesn't maybe he's not on that that heater that he was on last year and then all of a sudden everything can sort of fall apart like you can see that happening whereas with the chiefs you don't see a path for that you know no hell no the chief yeah. and that's why you know the 49ers if jimmy garoppolo gets better they're going to get better too it's just, yeah. it's all about the quarterback i just do you believe in ryan Tannehill as a long-term quarterback who can carry a team i don't know he hasn't, he hasn't yet. The stats look like they look like they could be misleading, Pete. And I, I, it's hard to predict the future with this misleading data that's being presented to me. Yeah, I know that. I know all about misleading data. <laughs> I mean, Tannehill led the league in like yards per attempt and passing efficiency last year in the quarterback rating. Do we think? And then that- he won two playoff games with over 100 yards passing. Right. Is that sustainable? I mean, is AJ Brown going to average 22 and a half yards per catch next year? I mean, he's, he's a stud. He's a monster, but. Okay. Let's put it this way. Are they, if you pick one team in that division to win it, are they the one you're picking? Oh, the Colts. Oh, Colts. Why you pick the Colts? Because I have a Philip Rivers dollar on my back shoulder. But Philip Rivers can, can, can carry a team if he has yeah. to. And people well, say he's done. I don't buy that. Don't and, and, but if you, if you ask me if I could have Rivers or Tannehill right now, I'd take Rivers. For one year? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And by the way, your, your question for the Colts, uh, you know what? We're getting ahead of ourselves because we had to, uh, I think that's on the list. No, it wasn't on the list. So we'll, we'll ask you real quick. Can Philip Rivers, uh, what does Philip Rivers have left and how we respond behind a good offensive line? I think the good offensive line is key. The Chargers offensive line stunk for a decade. Like it's been since Norv or since and Marty he took Scott a beating there. He took a, and he took a beating and he started getting jumpy and throwing the ball early. Uh, getting a good offensive line in front of him will really help him. And that offensive line, it's not great, but it's good and much better than he said. I don't think it's a great, it's, it's got a chance to be, it's a little, I mean, they're good. Maybe a little overrated. Maybe a little overrated. Yeah. yeah. But, but Quentin Nelson is a monster. But better, way better than what he's ever had in front of him. And I think Frank Reich is going to want, and, you know, uh, we have not seen uh, Philip Rivers. He's not actually not that great of a play-action passer. I think he'll be better in in what they want to do in terms of play-action. But I, I do think that they will be a I – think, I think teams, not that teams will – not that running will be in vogue this year, but I think teams will want to simplify offense. A lot of these teams will want to simplify their offenses some in a shorter se- shorter offseason. So I think we will see teams that can run try to run the ball. Yeah, and they'll run the ball. Their whole thing will be the young defensive players. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's. Uh, oh, you mentioned the 49ers. If Jimmy Garoppolo takes a leap forward, do you, are you worried about them being hungover at all? No. I just think that's tough to, yeah, a little bit. It's tough to get over, but Kyle's a good coach. He'll figure out a way to do things. And he's, he's also suffered from a hangover before. Well, he caused the hangover, but that's a whole nother story. Anybody run the, he run the ball three times and kick a field goal and you know, I'm a hangover. That's true. But Kyle is proven to me. And I, I look, I criticize him for that. I still think it was a terrible decision. I would argue with him if he sat in front of me about it. Uh, just like I argue with Mike McDaniel at the combine about it once. Uh, you run the ball and kick a field goal and you got a Super Bowl ring. But he's evolved from that. And Kyle has proven to me he, that he's, he's a, a damn good coach. coach. Yeah. He's, he's a, a damn good coach. Yeah. His father was a great coach. So, um, and I think he's grown up a lot, by the way. I think he's become a, a, a much, you know, early in his career, you heard stories about him being a little tough and, and 
a little, you know, look, he's my dad. I can do what I want type of thing. He'd yell at his dad. But now I think he's evolved. I think he's grown up as a human being. And I think that's helped him become a better coach. I mean, it probably has to do with the fact that he's like a father of four kids. <laughs> he's like, you know what? Maybe, you know, maybe kids yell at you. I, don't I know. just think he, I think you, we were all young and stupid at some point and yeah. you know, and you grow up. Sure. Uh, like he's a top five coach in the NFL, in my opinion. Is that too high? That's too high. Belichick, Reed. You got to put the guys who Tomlin, Carol. Tom. So you give any, if anybody who's won a ring, you put them. Yeah. Okay. McCarthy. Uh, he just got fired two years ago. Yeah. You also had a great record and you won a, you won a Super Bowl. Okay. I'm just, I, I, if that's your philosophy with the ranking the coaches, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. So in other words, if you've got a ring, like the list starts with anybody who's got a ring. Well, okay. How would you rank him against Doug Peterson? I mean, I would take Kyle Shanahan, but if you argue Doug Peterson's a better coach yeah. than Kyle Shanahan because of the ring, I'd be fine with that. But uh, up until last year, Andy Reid didn't have a ring, and you would have put Andy Reid ahead of Kyle. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I still would. Yeah, I think Andy Reid's one Even of the most if under. Kyle Shanahan had won a ring at Andy Reid's expense last year. I would still right. have Andy Reid above yeah. Kyle. Shanahan. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't. Yeah, so I, I Kyle Shanahan. You, would you put Kyle Shanahan ahead of Sean McVay? I would personally, but it's close. Yeah, I mean, it's. It, would you put Kyle Shanahan ahead of Bruce Arians? Ooh, that's a really good one. Um, I mean, I feel like it's a slap in the face to put Shanahan ahead of Bruce Arians. You would definitely hire Kyle Shanahan before you hired Bruce Arians. You can't put Kyle Shanahan ahead of Pete Carroll. No, I wouldn't do that. I think Pete Carroll's top five. I don't you can't put it. Kyle Shanahan ahead of John Harbaugh. No, I wouldn't do that. Either. Oh yeah, maybe. So maybe he's a You're dropping, I'm dropping him down. <laughs> That's four. That's four. I would definitely have him behind. But he's a hell of a coach though. Yeah, he's a very good coach. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about some more questions around these training camp teams. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You mentioned Bruce Arians, Pete. He is the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think he had a good season last year. I, mean, I, think he, I, think, I think he surprised some people with the way he came back and like the, the renewed energy he had. You know, when you retire, people ask questions. Uh, the question that you have for the Buccaneers this year, though, probably not about not the one that most people would have out there. It's not about the offense. It's is the no. secondary good enough to get the team to the Super Bowl? So I take it that means you are not worried about Tom Brady and Bruce Arians managing to put together an offensive system. Not with that skill set. Not with that skill group around them. Think about that. He's got Evans. He's got Godwin. He's got Gronk. Goodwin. Did you see that on uh? Do you see uh? Old Keenan Allen. Yeah. 
he now tweeted out like, I'm better than that Mike Evans at Cheetah and at Chris Goodwin. And so some poor dude who hadn't tweeted since 2013 is just having his phone lit up by NFL receivers today arguing about who the best receiver is. But, but that's a great group. Yep. Uh, you know, the line is going to be better. They get worse to play right tackle. That was a problem last year. The interior of their line was really good last year. I thought with Jensen and Marpet and that group, they're good. They in the rookie. He's going to be better. Marpet, uh, so- shaped up, Mar- 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 Marpet is shaped up as a, I remember when he, it went, it was back in the day, back in the day, 2015, when he came out of, uh, was it Hogwarts? Where did he come out of? Yeah. Hobart. Small Hobart. Hobart. Yeah. But I mean, like nowadays, anybody who shows up even from small schools is already known at the combine. He was not known when he got there from Hobart. No. And he's a good player. Jensen played really well for him last year. Yep. Uh, Cap is going to be good at the other guard when, uh, and then, you know, they're getting worse to play right tackles big. The line's going to be good. The offense will be good. The front seven's going to be good. Pierre Paul had a good year. Shaq Barrett's back. The down guys are good. Really, they have played well. Justifying his draft slot. Ah, uh, he played really well last year. Then he got David uh, and that group of linebackers. The kid from uh, that ran wild last year. The, the rookie Evan White. White. And then you got so you get to the secondary. A lot of youth back there. A lot of youth. But in the latter part of the season, Jamal Dean was really good. The, the, the rest of those young corners started playing better. You know, they drafted Winfield out of Minnesota is going to be in that mix. Yep. They have a group of guys. Winfield, man, that kid is special. Oh, he can do a lot of different. He's going to be the hybrid. You can play him in all different spots. He plays slot corner. He can play safety. I think he's going to move all over the place. So I think that group, Mike Edwards, I think that group is going to be the, what tells if that team is a Super Bowl team. And I really, and and they have a chance to be legitimately. Do you think what if the secondary plays better than Brady does? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's that crazy. You know, I, I know this is not entirely applicable, but Peyton Manning, and because he was coming off neck surgeries, but like his first year in Denver, it took him a couple of weeks and a couple of months to really get going. Like you could tell it was still there, but you know, he's a, like it's. I mean, Tom Brady has been playing for one in one place for twenty years, and now he's going to play in Tampa Bay. It's not that simple, right? He'll be fine. Good offensive mind, good coordinator, and left which. What is the uh, um? What does the blend of the offenses look like? I think it's a little bit of both. I think they'll take some of the things that Brady likes to do and a lot of the things that Bruce likes to do. You know, Bruce likes to drive the ball. You know that. Yeah, exactly. And but Brady, Brady hasn't had opportunity to drive the ball that much because he hasn't had anybody who could drive. He could drive the ball too. So I think it's going to be a combination of both. Okay. That's a good group of tight ends they have there too. I mean, Cameron Brady, O.J. Howard, and Rob Gronkowski? Yeah. Yeah. You can go there. Like- you can pack They're going to use more two tight end sets than, than they normally would under Bruce. And you think you keep those guys in for protection or you do like play action? And- well, Gronk's a great pass protector, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's fantastic at it. Over under 65% of the snaps this year for Gronk. Under. Okay. So you think they keep him kind of in the, in the, yeah. in the garage? Yeah. He'll play, they'll play all those guys. Yeah, but you rotate him through, and that way you don't have to use Gronk all season. You keep him. This healthy. is a this is a big year for Howard. Yeah, he he got in their doghouse last year, and and early in the season after the bye week, I was I heard and and that limited him some. But then he started catching the ball late in the season. He looked really good, but he drops a lot of passes too. Yeah, and he he didn't catch a bunch of balls at Alabama either. I mean, he's no. very effective on a per out or a per catch basis, but right. Um, okay. Speaking of blending offenses, Mike McCarthy coming into the Dallas Cowboys 
What type of difference will Mike McCarthy make for this team? That's a question you ask. Yeah, well, Mike McCarthy, his offense got stale in Green Bay. I think the year off will do Mike McCarthy wonders. I think he's going to put a lot of new stuff into his book. It's going to be totally different. You know, it was all in Green Bay, it was all ISO. One over here, one over here, one over here. But you later find out that that's the way Rodgers likes it. Rodgers likes to come to the line of scrimmage and know that that guy's over there, that guy's over there, and that guy's over there, and then go. And guys have told me that. So I think Mike will be a little bit more creative with the movement, the pre-snap stuff, and, and you know, Kellen Moore. I mean, the creativity there. And I think that it'll be a different offense than what you saw in Green Bay. My concern is Dak hasn't been around to implement it because none of these teams have been able to do that. Sure. A, and B, he's playing for a major contract, so how does that impact him as well? So those are some factors there, but I think they'll both be good for each other. I think Kellen Moore, regardless of what you think about him, I mean, people around the league like him. Um, but Kellen Moore being able to sort of be a, I liken it to the idea of a translator. You know, so it's like basically like Dak, um, it's like Dak's been taking Spanish for five years in school and suddenly right. he, he's being told, Hey, you're going to switch to French. And you're like, okay, well, like, can I get some practice? No, you can't really get any practice, like learning French. But then you have Kellen Moore who is fluent in both languages and is able to tell you, you know, sort of, sort of communicate what works with Dak to Mike McCarthy and then can communicate to Dak, you know, what Mike McCarthy is expecting from certain situations. That helps a big time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't think there's any question about that, but I, I think Mike, Mike McCarthy's a good offensive coach. I don't care what anybody says. I think it became stale, but uh, you later find out that some of it became stale because that's what Aaron Rodgers wanted. And it's not like Rodgers was explosive last year. It's not like Mike McCarthy didn't leave. He didn't have this like. Well, he went 26 and four and everybody said he had a bad season. I'm not saying a bad season, but I'm saying he didn't. Mike McCarthy left. But but the perception is, is that Deshaun Watson has great season and Aaron Rodgers didn't have a great season. Look at their touchdown, touchdown to, to interception numbers. Rodgers had a better year than, than Watson did. I'm saying that I think people thought Mike McCarthy would leave and Aaron Rodgers would go full MVP. But he also was learning a new offense too. Let's not forget that. That's all I'm saying is that it's not entirely on Mike McCarthy. No, I agree. All right. Some more quarterback focused questions. Oh yeah. This is your team. Is Joe Burrow good enough to push the Bengals towards a playoff spot? Yes. They won't get in, but he's good enough to push him there. I think that, I think that team has talent. I agree. Um, and I'm a big believer in Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be a star. He, he the way he you navigates have, the pocket. You have planted your flag on the Joe Burrow, and I give you credit for it because I think this is what uh, people who last a long time in this industry should do. I've told Ryan Wilson this. You need to like put your flag down and say, "This is my guy." You said Joe Burrow is going to win a Super Bowl. That is planting a flag. Yes, and and I think they're going to be in. I think they're going to push for the division title next year. I, I love this team. I think that when you look there, you know, it's not just Joe Burrow. I, and I, by the way, I think the way he handles a pocket, all during last season, I said, he reminds me of the way that Brady handles a pocket. He's more athletic than Tom Brady, but the way he handles a pocket is smart, get the ball out, know how to maneuver the rush. He's going to be big time. The well, offensive people, line. People talk about, people talk about mobility yeah. being an important trait, but like he, and he is mobile, but he's also very, like his movement inside the pocket. Feel. You're talking about. Yeah, feel exactly. is outstanding. Like Dan Marino couldn't move at all, but he had great feel in the pocket. Yeah. Peyton Manning couldn't move at all. He had great feel in the pocket. This guy has, he can move and he has great feel. That's a great combination. Uh, the offensive line will be better. 
Um, you know, and, and I think it's actually going to be pretty good. Uh, I think getting AJ Green back is enormous for a young quarterback. Mixon was fantastic after they figured out the last eight games of the season, what to do with him. Uh, you know, then you got Boyd, who's a two now, and then you got, you, you also have John Ross, who, when he's on the field early in the season, looked like he was going to be fine. He always gets hurt. If he's healthy, that's a nice weapon. So I think as a team, they're going to be good. But then you go to the other side of the ball, the front four, you know, people don't give that front four enough credit. They, they add DJ Reader next to Geno Atkins on the NCAA. Dunlap was fantastic. And Sam Hubbard is a rising star in the league. That front four is going to be good. So I think the Bengals are – they won't make the playoffs this year, I don't think, but they're going to push for the division next year. What's the, uh, what's the ceiling, floor and ceiling for their wins this year? 8-8. Eight, eight. I think they're 8-8. Eight eight. Okay. So you think they max out at 500? Yeah. They could go, I mean, they could go 5-11, and 11, right? And that, that wouldn't be surprising. No, I think they get, I think seven and nine is the worst. Okay. So that's a pretty tight window. I'm just saying they could lose like a couple, like it, like you lose it's a, a tough division. Wins. Exactly. You got to play the, the Ravens and the Steelers twice. I mean, it's, you right. could lose and, a- and the Browns would be better. Sure. Uh, okay. Moving along to the Browns. Can Kevin Stefanski get Baker Mayfield back on track? I'm a big believer in Kevin Stefanski. I think he's going to be a really good head coach, smart. Doesn't take the crap. People think he's an analytics guy, but he's a Philly guy, has the attitude. He will be a good head coach. But the biggest thing for Baker Mayfield, the tackles are new. The tackles last year were terrible. And it sped up his clock, and he got jumpy, and he got erratic, and it wasn't the same guy. Having good tackles will make him a better quarterback this year, as well as Stavansky. So I, I think that combination will make Baker Mayfield better. Well, and like one of the things that Kevin Stefanski did, and I probably harped on this too much on this podcast, but I, I would imagine you agree, is that he plays to a quarterback's strengths. Like you saw it, like Kirk Cousins is one of the best passers on play action in football, and the numbers bear that out. Like he's just very, a very good play action passer when given time, and that's it, it's easy to be a good play action passer. But Kevin Stefanski like played into that and get and used a ton of play action for the Vikings, and Kirk Cousins had great numbers and really developed into a better passer. I think people give him credit for with Minnesota. So the question is, what will be the plan with Baker? I, I would anticipate one, like a lot of play action and, and two, they're going to roll him out a bunch and get him on the move. Cause he's very good when you roll him out and get him on the move. Uh, I also think that they'll try and lean on Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt a lot this year, especially with the addition of Conklin and, and Wills. I agree. I think you want to run the ball and play action and that, and Baker will be a better quarterback for that. But the, the, the tackles are the biggest difference. Those tackles last year were terrible. Now you got, you know, adding Conklin and, and, and Wills. Now all of a sudden you got two good tackles. Well, remember right before the season last year, they, um, who, who was it that is it, uh, oh, this is stiff, the left tackle. Yeah. Who's the left? Greg tackle? Robinson. Yes. Yeah, so, but they cut him. And they yeah. got him and they knew nobody would pick him up because he wasn't good enough to be added by any other team in the NFL. And then they picked him right back up at a lesser contract and he was there. And then he didn't even play the whole year. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, they, they were bad at tackle. Hey, what did you think about Miles Garrett's contract? Look, he's a dominant pass rusher. You have to pay those guys. I don't get it. What, $25 million a year though? It's like above. There's something that doesn't make any sense. As long as he's on the field, he's worth it. Okay. Just don't swing your helmet at anybody. That's that's fair. All right. The Bills. Will Josh Allen make big strides this season? Pete Prisco, you appeared on this program 
last year, maybe sometime around this time of the year. I don't hell, I don't remember. It was before this. It was in the spring. Okay, so you said the Bills won't. You said the Bills will make the playoffs, and in 2020 they will win the division. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I'm not saying you knew Tom Brady was leaving because I don't think you did. No, I still think they would have won a division. Yeah. I, I think this team, and I think he's going to be that much better. Mechanically, he was flawed last year. I think he's, he spent a lot of time this offseason working on his mechanics. And I think getting digs will really help him. They have good receivers now. They have a big play receiver. The offensive line's a year older. The right tackle struggled last year. He'll be better. And I think this team as a whole will be better on offense. And I think Allen's ready to do more. He's so athletic that he got into this habit of one, two, and get out. Well, now I think with the work in the offseason, better mechanics, better receivers, it's going to be one, two, three, and then maybe get out. I don't think he's ever going to be that guy that stands there and patient as can be and gets to four because he can make so much happen outside the pocket. But I think that he's going to be that much better this year. Are you going to plant your flag on the Buffalo Bills and pick them yes. to win the Super Bowl? Oh, you, yeah. should pick them, you should pick them to win the Super Bowl. No, I'm picking the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. How can you pick against the Chiefs? I mean, the Bills could be the Chiefs. Maybe the Chiefs and Bills play in the championship game. How about that one? I'm just saying that, like, if the Bills win the Super Bowl, you want to be the guy who picked it. They're, they're, like, like what, what, if you pick the Chiefs, see, that's, this is my thing. Like, what, who, like, if you pick the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, congrats. Who cares? Everybody's going to pick the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. Like, I mean, you can get a pat on your back for being like, oh, I picked up the Chiefs. Well, who would you pick to win the Super Bowl? The Chiefs? The Ravens? I think I would, if everyone is picking the Chiefs, I'll pick the Ravens because I'll have a great, a great value on a team that could easily win the Super Bowl. If you had to put your money on it, are you, you win or you're dead? Who are you picking? I mean, I'm picking the Chiefs, obviously. Okay. <laughs> you always go to the, you always go to that one. You pick the right one or you're dead. Which one are you picking? I, I, I was going to, I was going to say, if my life depended on it, I would take the Chiefs a hundred times out of 100. But I, I do think that, I, I, I think. Who would you pick in the NFC? Winning your dad or your dad? Uh, winning am I dead in the NFC? You can't really pick anybody. That's a problem. Probably, problem I mean, problem you're probably dead. Probably the Saints if I had to pick. You'd pick the Saints, huh? Winning I'm dead? Winning yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, two straight 13 three seasons. They get everybody back. They can't win. They, they can't close the deal. I mean, but if. if well, who are you picking now? That's the problem. So they, they you're not picking the Cowboys or the Eagles. No. You're not in that division. You're not picking. I wouldn't pick Tampa Bay. You don't no. know what that's going to be like. I'm not picking uh, anybody in the North. Oh, Green Bay is going to be good again. Um, but and then the 49ers have the hangover. Yeah, it would. It would be Saints, the 49ers. Or I, I don't think I would pick any of them. I, I, I don't know who I'd pick. By the way, I pretty much agree that we're dead because you're not going to get it right. <laughs> I would pick. Chiefs, uh, you think you're going to get right? That one, you think you're going to get right? I mean, you you have a you have a decent chance. Yeah, I mean, if you, winning a Super Bowl is hard. They almost, who's three after? Who's three after the Ravens in the NFC? In the AFC? In the AFC. So let's see. So it's Ravens. Excuse me, Chiefs, Ravens, and then nobody in the West because you got to go through KC. Um, no, I mean I would consider the Colts honestly, or the or the Bills. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But that's yeah. why you, as an analyst who does not have to choose or die. But simply has to like roll the dice that you could be the guy who picked the Bills to win the world, to win the Super Bowl for the first time uh, ever. Bills win the Super Bowl ever. Yeah, you picked the Bills to win the Super Bowl correctly for the first time ever, and they win it this year. You'll be, I mean, 
A, the, the accolades will come raining down upon you. And I might pick them to win it just to pick something different. Like you picked the Jaguars to win it, but you were a year late on the Jaguars. And you were on the Jaguars in 2017. Right. But then like you're expecting them to take a, another step forward. Your right. move this year should be take the Bills. I might. If the Chiefs win, even though I think the Chiefs win it. I mean, if the Chiefs win, you're like, eh, you're like, whatever, you know? Like, right. One. Yeah. You should pick the Bills. I'm bullish on the Bills. I know you are. You're bullish, I'm on, bullish the- on the Bills and the Bengals. Two teams that nobody's ever bullish on. I like it. That's the, the man, the common man, a hero of the average blue collar working man, Pete Prisco. That's me. That's at, me. At, is it Prisco at- CBS? <laughs> yes. I was like, oh, yeah. But I don't answer, I don't answer anymore. You blocked me. You blocked me. <laughs> Didn't you block me? You know why? But why did I block you? It was well deserved. You blocked oh, yeah. me. Me and Nick Costas were tweeting out our Scott Fishbowl picks and tagging you in each one. And really, is there anything got- worse than fantasy football drafts uh, in June with you two morons? No. Or I throw you Jamie ruined- into it, so three morons. We ruined your. We ruined our text thread for a solid month. Oh my god! I don't care about your fantasy team. I don't give a crap. I know you don't. It's amazing. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Pete. Yeah, now I got to go get ready. Four o'clock show starting, baby. We're All back right. every day, four o'clock on HQ. So watch Pete Prisco every day, four o'clock. Me and BMAC today with Chris Hassel. There you go. CBS Sports HQ, free 24-7 streaming sports live. You watch it on Pluto TV, on your Roku, Amazon, wherever else you get your You can uh, see me stuff. put BMAC, Brady Quinn, and Danny Cannell on body bags every day. <laughs> Make sure to check it out. Thanks, Pete. <laughs> All right. See ya. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.